Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. That was really fast. I was about 15 seconds ahead of you this oh, morning. Oh, goodness. Yes, but uh, uh, what I noticed in Cloudlandia, and welcome to everybody to Cloudlandia, promptness <laughs> is becoming an important uh, capability. It really is, and you hit on it very uh, early on as one of the top four things. Show up on time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's been. Uh, I, I'm having fun with that. Uh, you know, as I've, I've told you, our 12 year old is, uh, you know, sharing this wisdom with him, and seeing all the different areas that it's important in life. How much time, you know, dependability mm -hmm. is is something mm -hmm. that that indicates to people, you know. Yes. And then finishing yeah. the start that you're not going to leave them. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that occurs to me that uh, on in the mainland, before we had yes. Cloudlandia, uh, there were many, many plausible excuses for why you weren't on time. Traffic, you know, caught up in traffic. And, uh, you know, that would probably be, uh, you know, a variation of caught up in traffic is probably, you know, flights were delayed. Um, right. All sorts of things. But in Cloudlandia, unless there's a general uh, blackout, you know, of the electrical grid, yeah. uh, there really aren't uh, a lot of excuses. You know, network is yeah. down. You know, that could be possible, but... Uh, 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 generally speaking, there's probably no plausible reason why, if you say something's going to start at a certain point, why someone should not be able to make that. Yeah. You know, what's, what's funny is that I went to meet someone over at Celebration uh, here in Orlando last week, and I it, we're so conditioned now to meeting in Cloudlandia that how efficient and clean and and uh you know just sharp it is right that it mm -hmm. struck me as almost like you, you see the the um i don't know the extra burden or extra like all the extra baggage of you know it's 40 minutes away so i was i leave like an hour ahead of time to give me time to I like to show up on time. So I want to on mm -hmm. time is being there early and leaving a margin for any mm -hmm. uh, traffic or anything like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, I was there, uh, left an hour ahead of time mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. got there. We, we had a, you know, two and a half hour, uh, meeting lunch. And mm -hmm. then it took, you know, 45, uh, minutes to, to get home. So, you know, you think about that, there's an hour, a couple of extra hours almost of mm -hmm. time that wasn't the the meat of the issue kind of thing. It wasn't the, yeah. the main event. And that's mm -hmm. where we were talking about the, um, you know, as I'm looking forward to our strategic coach workshops on Monday and Tuesday, we're, we're right now having the luxury of doing this podcast today but normally i would have to be i'd be in the final things of packing to head 
to the airport right now to get on yes. the plane to arrive yeah, in time for dinner this afternoon in Chicago with, with you. And then, yes. yeah, it's, it's such a, uh, yeah. It, it, you know, and the interesting, uh, uh, the interesting thing that I find, uh, more and more is that, uh, People who, what I've noticed is that people who don't like the internet, don't like, um, you know, virtual conferencing, uh, um, uh, if I had to pick the people who are late for showing up for a Zoom call, they're in the company of people. You know, I haven't done actual research on it, but it also strikes me that they're the people who don't like the internet and maybe one of the reasons yeah. why they don't like the internet is because, uh, because it requires punctuality. And <laughs> mm. I wonder works, that's both, an it works in, well it works in both directions. Uh, you know, things yeah. always you know, there uh, everything's a chicken and egg situation in life, yes. you know, but, uh, yes. uh and uh but I I've noticed and they also they show up late but then their lighting isn't good and Oftentimes they're looking at a second computer, uh, computer, and they're not looking at the, you know, they're not looking out at the audience, and uh, right. you know, and I think that, uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, I don't, I, I don't really know about this telephone stuff, you know, right, yeah, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and it may be a general resistance to uh, more than one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Life is changing abruptly. Really, I mean, uh, uh, depending on the what you thought the future was going to be in early 2020, um, the change was either uh, you know something that you had accounted for in your mind, you had actually psychologically, emotionally prepared for yourself. But sometime in the future, uh, we'll probably switch over to virtual conferencing, uh, which will bypass a lot of travel. Or you thought that, um, you, you know, 10 years into the future and 2030, um, there wasn't going to be any difference in how you conducted your daily life and your business life. You know, mm-hmm. it all depends upon uh, what your mind and your, you know, spirit has really um, um Prepared yourself. Uh, prepared yourself for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and that's a, that's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting thing. People are either gonna, you know, embrace that or mm-hmm. or not. I, mm-hmm. I love it. I mean, it's just, and it's funny how now you start to see. I wonder if people, um, you know, once we've been because it's coming up on a year of successfully mm-hmm. doing the all virtual. Mm-hmm. Workshop. Yeah. I wonder how it's going to feel when the first time back you realize, oh, now I've got a, you know, all the schlepping yeah. and everything involved in the, in doing it. Yeah. Well, we actually had a uh, a measurement uh, that uh, told us uh, that we've been successful because our last sales quarter. This would be for October. We, we uh, you know, over the last. Um, um four years the you know the uh the u.s government has established the calendar year as the fiscal year in other words that uh, 
you know, that, uh, um, you, you're, the, the year of 2020 is the fiscal year for everybody for taxation purposes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we have switched from uh, March 31st, uh, uh, for most of our existence, uh, March 31st was always the end of our fiscal year. In other words, it was the nine months of the year right. before plus three months in the new year. But, um, you know, Price Waterhouse, who does our accounting, uh, actually for all three countries. So we have, you know, a company in the U.S., a company in Canada and a company in London. And, uh, and they said, no, we're, uh, every, everybody's switching over now. Everything has to be on the calendar year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is neither here nor there. There might be some inconvenience because of the way that you plan things previously. But right. once you make the adjustment, it's, it's just normal like it used to be. And, uh, uh, so our last quarter of, uh, was a normal, uh, in person, uh, the results that we got from the sales was equal to a normal, uh, normal quarter, you know? That's great. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's all virtual. They're all signing yeah. up virtual workshops. And that, that's the big thing. Well, they sign up, uh, you know, in the same numbers. Uh, yeah. uh, for virtual that they did for in-person. And uh, uh, basically, it took six months uh, for us to return to the results that we were used to before the COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what you've, what, what's the, um, what time are the works? How long are you doing the days now? I've forgotten. Uh, six hours. Uh, well, uh, there's, uh, new what we call classic workshops okay Okay. and a classic workshop is virtual now but when uh uh, people have freedom it will uh become a uh in-person workshop but they're Uh signing up now for a virtual version and then there's the global work the global workshops which are on a different schedule the global workshops instead of four days a year it's six days a year uh, the, instead of six hours on each of those days, it's four hours on each of those days. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah so it's and 24 what hours. What are our workshop? What is our, uh, so tomorrow? Six and six. Six, six, six tomorrow and six uh, on Tuesday. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. There we go. With, so from 10 with to about a 45. Or no, we take, uh, yeah, we take breaks and, uh, yeah. I, I enjoy it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. So, yeah, that I can't uh yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, you know, it's interesting. I got your uh I got the package with the the fifteen trillion dollar free zone uh <laughs> book. And yeah. so I haven't yeah, it's been peeking at me, you know, I haven't had a chance to sit down and, and uh read it yet, but I'm today I've got my eye on it. Uh yeah. So it's really, I think, uh, you know, that would be, um, it's a really interesting thing that that is really something that it seems like would uh, really fit into Cloudlandia here, that these are the the um, things. I've been observing that whole, um, the Mr. Beast Burger uh, situation. Yeah that we were talking about and everything's going strong uh, there. And, 
you know, just instantly opening 300 restaurants in collaboration with excess capacity. It's such a, um, it could only happen in Cloudlandia. You know, that's not even, it would not be possible on, on the mainland. Yeah, what's really interesting, uh, Dean, when uh, um, I think that we go back to, uh, I call it uh, um, complete choice. In other words, yeah. people uh, choose their their ratio of in-person to Cloudlandia. You know, the, well, mm-hmm. now we're going to say how much of your daily life is mainland and how much of your life is Cloudlandia, you know? Yeah. Think, you know, I think we're, we're making a strong push for this, that people start thinking in those terms. Uh, mm-hmm. With your coming up with the name Cloudlandia, you know, I think it's uh, uh, it's an uh, interesting thing. But, for example, let's say, you know, I'm just projecting with uh, Beastburger, it proves to be a, a really hot thing that a hamburger restaurant uh, in a locale Mm-hmm. Uh, that's much, much better because they have this uh, beast burger uh, dimension where none of the other hamburger um, restaurants in their area have. Yeah. Uh, then then you begin to see the Starbucks effect. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, where he, he I mean, he seems to do things for the fun of it. So, uh, yes, I mean, I mean, Mr. Beast seems to be um, a guy who's always looking for New toys and new playpens, you know, new yeah, new toy boxes. But for example, you might get, um, you know, a chain. I remember, I think Marriott, uh, Marriott was the first hotel chain that got Starbucks into all their hotels, and uh, uh, now Mr. Beast <laughs> with his Beast Burger really, really becomes the um, uh, the buyer, not the seller. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, you know, one, one large chain of hospitality places, you know, says we, we, we have to have Mr. You know, we have to have Beast Burger as part of our food offering in our hotels. Right. Yeah. You know, so that, yeah. And that shows you the power and that can happen instantaneously because he's shown that uh yeah that um you know that whereas he was able to start 300 restaurants in a day if a hotel chain had 1500 uh locations exactly uh, they could start in 15 uh, those 1500 locations could start on the same day too so that is there's the perfect example of a vcr formula uh yeah collaboration in action that the vision mr beast burger the whole the menu the everything like that all of that vision the capability means you got to have the kitchen to prepare it the ability to do it and like you said a hotel chain with the reach of 1500 locations could open 1500 locations at one time yeah just like that yeah yes like yeah Mm -hmm. Vision yeah. plus capability multiplied by reach. That's the yeah. the perfect yeah. thing. I just you know noticed. this say uh, this is sort of like an intellectual shortcut package. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know mm-hmm. when you take it apart. You know if you did reverse engineered 
what it took to think through how just one uh, hamburger, existing hamburger business, would on a certain day just go 100%. Uh, fully active with yeah. you would see that there's probably within the uh, project, you know, you, on day one, you say, okay, we're going to do this, you know, and then there has to be all these, um, um, you know, things like, well, uh, yeah, you have to have the qualified books, you have to have the qualified menu, you have to you know, there's procedures, there's quality control and everything. And each of yeah. those is an intellectual sh- uh, shortcut. And the entire Beastburger um, capability is probably, um, you know, could be dozens of different intellectual shortcuts. Mm-hmm. But the whole uh, Beastburger concept is an intellectual shortcut, how to go live. But, you know, a, a restaurant might say, you know, we're going to, uh, start a whole new way of approaching things, and it's like six or seven months' work for them to do it on their own. They yeah. don't have to work at all with Beastburger. They just have to agree to it happening and uh, check off the boxes that they've got the capability to fulfill the promise. Yes. Beast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you look at that. I'm starting to see all of these things. I told you about the ice cream shop, which was the um, you know, Unilever's um, <clears throat> idea of using excess cooler capacity to stock their ice cream yes. all over town and put it up on Grubhub. Um, the latest that I just discovered yesterday on Grubhub, um, there's a restaurant here in uh, the States called Boston Market. And they do yes. rotisserie chickens, and uh, so you're probably familiar with them. Um, yeah, wow, long time, long time company. That's uh, yeah, uh, quarter century old. Yep. And uh, so now they've launched on Grubhub a restaurant called Rotisserie Roast, and they've got different. Um, you know, it looks like they've got different branding, different uh, things, but. It's the same address as the Boston market. So they're mm-hmm. basically selling this other menu uh, out the back door on just on Grubhub and Seamless using, uh, you know, ingredients that they have packaged a little differently um, and combined a little differently for some healthier or uh, lighter um, combos. Mm-hmm. but. <clears throat> it's so brilliant. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you just look at it. I'm tuning my um, my vision for it to start to really recognize these these opportunities everywhere. I mean, if you can recognize the assets that that people <clears throat> have, the the excess, if you recognize the excess capacity, and you recognize the reach. Yeah, com- combining those. I mean, putting people together with reach and capability that don't have the vision, you can, you know, it's really like the yeah. way that you can find your way in Cloudlandia without your capability could be vision, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, the whole franchising uh, concept of, uh, of food yeah. uh, and, lo- and lodging really started with the railroads. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and not the railroads themselves, but a, I'm going to have to do a little research on this because um, uh, <clears throat> I'm just bringing up the thought right now. And, uh, you know, in the future, I'll, I'll have the actual information on this. Okay. When the, especially when the first two transcontinental railroads went through. So that was the Union Pacific and the Southern Pacific. Uh, one went from, um, one went from Chicago all the way to San Francisco. And yes. I think the other one, um, I don't know if it's, uh, there was certainly a connector from Chicago, but I think the launching point of it was um, uh, the Southern Pacific. I think it was probably from St. Louis and it went south mm-hmm. you know, to Los, Ange- Los Angeles. But, you know, each of them about a 2,000 mile trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had all these, you know, they, uh, uh, they had express trains and then they had, uh, you know, gradually when they got moldy tracks, you know, they could have express trains and then they had, uh, you know, um, locals, you know, people would go, you know, and uh, one of the real problems was that uh, you couldn't guarantee at any particular town or city that you stopped in that the quality of the uh, food and the quality of the, um, you know, the overnight stay, the hospitality stay, uh, would, uh, you know, would it be a, an experience consistent with the quality that the, the railroads were prom- promising, you know, for the trip? And so this guy, and he, it wasn't the railroads themselves, but he began creating hotels and restaurants at key points and then he would staff them he would staff them and he guaranteed you know the staffing he would guarantee the training he would guarantee the quality so in another day you know i mean if you take your mr uh your mr beast mr. Beast, or, or, yeah. into Cloudlandia, this was the beginning of using um you know creating a new capability on top of an existing capability yeah. yeah. I mean, so if you think about the standardizing v- things you, like. Yeah, if you use your VCR, your vision capability and reach, uh, the vision is that we'll have, you know, 80 of these hotel, restaurant complexes across the United States. What's yeah. the capability? It's the Union Pacific and uh, Southern Pacific Railroads. And, and uh, well, that's the reach. And then. Uh, you know, the reach is that you have the capability to do one of them, so you automatically have the capability to do 80 of them. Right. And uh, it guarantees standardization. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, um, well, you, you think see, about I that think... model really followed then Holiday Inn, like when we started yeah. doing on the roads, all the, the motels and stuff. Well, Holiday Inn followed. Holiday Inn would have followed the railroad one because the Holiday Yeah, Inn that's started. what I mean. Same yeah, model, yeah. right? Yeah. And Cracker yeah. uh, Barrel. And Howard Johnson restaurants, White Castle, yeah. White Castle hamburgers, you know, uh-huh. uh, Dairy, Dairy Queen, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
there, there were lots of them. And, uh, and what it was is that you already had a preconditioned customer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for example, when Babs and I, uh, traveling, you know, a distance, like we go four or 500 miles, we check where all the McDonald's are. Yes. Not for the food. <laughs> Bathrooms. Bathrooms. That's right. Because you know they're going to be clean. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tim Hortons. There's, uh, yeah. There's Tim Hortons halfway between our house and our cottage. And, yeah. Uh, and, and so we go in. I don't think we've ever bought anything. Wow. So, the you know, you think about the... Um, yeah, that model, you know, impossible with, uh, you know, but now when you look at, uh, with no physical locations or the ability, I was thinking about when you were talking about some of these restaurants, you think like, um, just kind of, it was already kind of dying around my time, but, um, I understand it used to be that the drive up restaurants were a big thing where you could drive up and park your car and they would, you know, bring your food to your car and you'd sit there and eat. We had, yep. when I was young, we had an A&W um, yep. mm-hmm. that was like that. So you'd pull in and they'd hook the tray up to your, uh, to your car and bring your food and you'd eat there. Um, but then once the drive through became more popular, those kind of disappeared, right? We don't, most of the. Well, I think, they, uh, you know, it would be interesting what the chicken and the egg was here because yeah. a lot of people had the experience of drive-in theaters uh-huh. uh, at that time. And they'd drive yeah. in and they'd have, uh, you know, they'd have staff that would come around to the cars and they would deliver you know, soft drinks, popcorn. Um, that really started but, in the 50s, didn't it? Was it the thing like... Yeah, I'm not real... sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it might have started earlier. You know, I mean, yeah. had cars. And, and uh, you know, and uh, so I, I think that uh, anything you can do with a car, um, you know, the, the, I guess business would flow along with it. Uh-huh. But, uh, I, cer- I certainly remember that, and uh, yeah, you know, and uh, uh, it was a bit clunky, though. You know, I mean, you always had a. I always found uh, there was a clunkiness about the service. You know, uh, you know, if one staff member was off that night, you know, uh, it probably interfered with. You know, people say drive in. You know, we'll serve you at your car, but then you're waiting. Yeah. To- minutes 20 minutes probably right probably um there was some natural uh pitfalls to it because you know it really required you know really really required that you have super fast response yeah i wonder how um restaurants will fare kind of you know going forward now what i was getting at was when we look at, it's almost like that model that uh, they talked about in the tyranny of convenience, that once we kind of, all progress is sort of ratcheted, you know, you don't sort of go backwards on that. We lock in that level as the norm. And 
I think what this, um, you know, COVID time or our quarantine time or our staying away time has done is normalize every restaurant food is available at your doorstep in 30 minutes, you know? Um, and I wonder now if when that comes uh, back, when, when it's normal to go to all the restaurants again, um, I wonder how much like lost that will be because it used to be the only, you know, you would go to, um, if I look before Grubhub, before Seamless, so let's even go back, you know, two years ago, really, if I look at the landscape, it just in, in Winter Haven, in my, in my outpost of the mainland, um, mm-hmm. the, there were very few options for delivery, you know, like all the pizza places delivered and maybe some of the Chinese food um, places, but you had to call them all individually to arrange that and organize it. Right. You had to know the menu, know all of that um, stuff. And um, so whatever you, what you, what you would often go out if you didn't mm-hmm. want to have that limited menu, you resign yourself to, well, okay, we'll go, um, we'll go there and eat because you want their food, but there's nothing magical about the everyday dining experience in a regular restaurant. It's not like you're going to, you know, a fine dining experience, which there is a place for that. That I think is always going to stay, but the everyday, you know, um, routine dining, uh, it just feels like we're not well, going, maybe going backwards that, to that. Yeah, maybe there's already a model for this, Dean, but it's in a completely other another sector, which is banking. There used to be yeah. a thing called bank. There used to be right, a thing exactly. called bank, banking you, hours. I can't remember the last time I ever set foot in my bank. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a bank, uh, you know, you say... Uh, oh, oh, What's the nearest ATM? Well, the ATM can be at a bank, but the ATM can be in a convenience store. You know, it could be in a shopping. It could be in a supermarket. The ATM could be in a supermarket, and and so uh, the so the the big thing about banking hours, you know, uh, was that generally, um, you know, that uh, the hours coincided when a majority of people were nearby doing their working hours, you know, like uh, you're doing that. And then, um, but it really limited the reach of the banks. I mean, you you basically uh, couldn't do banking unless there was actually a bank building. And then with digitalization, the banking became a digital experience. And my sense is I'm just thinking of a particular restaurant in our local neighborhood here. Uh, that went to um, takeout um, pretty quick, you know, like uh, if they, um, you know, if they were locked down, say, in the second week of March, they went to takeout, you know, certainly before the end of the month. And it 
it, it struck me that I always thought that, for example, this restaurant only does evening meals. You know, be open from around five to ten normal hour normal days, and then Friday and Saturday it would be maybe five to eleven, five mm-hmm. o'clock. And they did a great business; they were always filled. But I was looking at the hours, you know, so that's about uh, five or six hours of each day. Yeah. Uh, but but there would be from let's say eight o'clock in the morning till five o'clock, so nine hours. When if they had food available during that time, you know there would be customers to buy it, and that's what they discovered. Yeah. And the other thing, the thing that shifted is they didn't have the restaurant open for breakfast and lunch because where they're located. People are at work during the day. People are right. at work during the day, so it wouldn't be available. But I bet half the people won't be at work during the day. Half the people will be at right. work. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's everything is shifting like that, right? The new norms are yeah. that the, everybody's kind of staying in the suburbs or staying in the your yeah the population is uh, more mobile. I think this yeah. this is like a big big shift, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, one of the things we've noticed in delivery services uh, uh, that uh, I would say since last March that UPS is infinitely superior to FedEx or to Amazon uh, in terms of delivery service. UPS is they're the winners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the sense that they always, well, we have three, we have three houses and they always come to the right house and they always deliver it right to the door. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, uh, one of the things I've noticed about, um, uh, FedEx and Amazon, uh, one is I think they go through drivers really quickly, you know, the delivery uh, people, they go, you know, you don't know who the delivery UPS. It's always the same person because, uh, for example, in our Chicago office, we uh, we've had two different UPS uh, pickup people in 22 years, and in our Toronto office, we have the same UPS driver after 29 years. Mm. Wow, that's something. Yeah, well, they're shareholders. Uh, UPS. Yeah. Yeah, the employees are shareholders of the company, you know, and they've got a buildup of, you know, of a pension pot, um, you know, as they do their years. But they have complete familiarity with everything that's going on in their neighborhood. And the other thing is, you know, they they only make right hand turns, you know, that system that they have, that they they have a computer now that plans out the driver's trips based on the packages and they never make up the end turns. I had no idea about that. Is that true? Yeah, they, yeah. So their whole their whole trip beforehand is planned out by computer, and it just tells them the continual set of right hand turns to make, because they wow. found that left hand turns can uh, left hand turns can cost them up to a half hour on a trip. On a day, wow! And the block of yeah. getting stuck in yeah. traffic lights, all that stuff. Only right hand turns. Yeah. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. All that efficiency that, stuff, you see? 
Yeah, but that's the only thing you can do if you have Cloudlandia capabilities because it's all, uh, you know, it's all, uh, you know, it's the package has a label and uh, it has an address on it and it's all fed into the computer ahead of time and say, Jack, here's your schedule for today. Here's all the packages and what the packages tell us that this is your route Mm -hmm. when you're out. And we're not going to require you to make a left-hand turn during this time. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is something. Yeah, and you know, it's really that uh, they—they are—they've really uh, been great in the um, relationship. They've had an amazing collaboration with Amazon for a lot of years, mm-hmm. which really goes a long way. Does Amazon ship exclusively with UPS or do they do FedEx and others too? Um, you know, I don't know the, I don't know the answer to that. Question. I know for sure it was yeah. with uh, yeah. UPS, but now they're, of course, they're about to get in that business themselves mm-hmm. too, which is, uh, which is something. Yeah. The, 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 the real problem is a general problem that they're going to face and that is traffic congestion. Uh-huh. You know, if everybody's going to delivery services, it means that there's going to be a lot of cars and trucks on the road. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, that's the one problem that you can't solve, <laughs> uh, because it's a mainland, um, uh, it's, you know, it's mainland activity. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I think the whole notion that you're going to have drones delivering things is a non-starter. Mm-hmm. I wonder about, um, you know, I was thinking about the collaborations like that, right? Like if you think about the collaboration with Amazon and UPS that they're, they've got, which would seem like the perfect collaboration. They've got the um, sales, they've got all this stuff. UPS has this existing network of being able to deliver packages to every address in the world basically so mm-hmm. a natural collaboration there um but seemingly a little bit more um what's the right word um less stable for ups in a way when you're saying they wonder about i haven't read the the 15 trillion dollar free zone yet but i know you always talk about this idea of always be the buyer and you wonder like ups is kind of in a situation where they're not the buyer in the amazon situation right well the 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 problem you know and you know i would say that uh that Amazon has proven over the years that if you get in business with them, they'll try to reproduce your business. Right. That's what I wonder, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, hey, let's do a collaboration with UPS for two years and learn everything they do and how they do it. And yeah. then we'll just reproduce their system and undercut them. We'll just undercut right. them. You know, and uh, you know, and the problem is that I think it's uh, it's so built into Amazon's business model to do that uh, that uh, uh, the reputation would go before them for any yeah. potential collaboration. Yeah, 
And the other thing with UPS is that they're an employee. They have such an employee ownership of their entire company yeah. that uh, it, it's not like a straight corporation that's, a, you know, uh, a public equity based, you know, where you can just right. sell this, this or anything like, like that. It's the very strength of UPS makes it hard um, for the CEOs of UPS just to make a decision uh-huh. like that. Yeah. And you wonder, I look at the, um, um, you know, in a way, you look at these capabilities that are, are out there, even from a, a platform standpoint. Like we look at what uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all of these things, and it's, you know, very timely, actually, to be talking about this right now in the wake of uh, Trump being delisted from uh, from Twitter, mm-hmm. as you know, him and his he had he was using them for his uh, reach, using their capability to uh, get to his eighty six million uh, followers, mm-hmm. and then that was taken away immediately, mm-hmm. like instantly yeah. from him. And you wonder, like, I wonder that um, there's a really interesting dynamic there when we take these things for granted. Like if you're building a platform, you're building a YouTube community, and then all of a sudden YouTube says, okay, no more. Then you've... Yeah, I think this is where the antitrust... Legislation kicks in, and the two networks. Uh, well, Apple did it too. Apple. Um, yeah, you're starting to see everybody's flexing now, right? Flexing. Yeah, Apple, yeah, Apple did it. Uh, Facebook did it, and Twitter. I, I don't know what the Google situation is at the end same. of this week. Uh, same. Okay. So what this tells me now is that they've declared themselves publishers and not platforms, that they're not platforms anymore. They're, um, they're publishers, and they're uh, now using full, um, what I would say, editorial power to say uh, we won't I think won't it opens up a big uh, can of worms for them, right? Well, I think it opens up a huge competitive market because uh, I'm sure the – knowledge needed to create a social media network and to, um, you know, to, uh, um, uh, you know, to, I mean, uh, the social media, social media companies, as powerful as they are, they don't own the internet. The internet is a, right. uh, is, is a system. So my sense is that anyone who wants to create a new, um, you know, there's other search engines, there's other social media. So my sense is that Trump, um, whenever the mainstream media makes a, uh, um, you know, makes a statement, well, this is the end of him now. This is it. He's completely gone. He's forgotten and everything like that. Uh, It's a bit like watching another episode of the the Coyote and the Roadrunner. Right, exactly. And my sense is that... uh, 
you could look at it. Yeah, this is the end of, uh, you know, this individual's political career and it's finished and very clearly he's, uh, he, you know, he's, um, you know, shamed and humiliated forever. You could look at it that way or you said, uh, hmm, he just really consolidated his 90 million followers. Mm-hmm. And if he says, I'm going to create a new social network and I'd like all of you to switch over from Facebook to Twitter to my new social network and uh, don't watch Fox News anymore. Watch MAGA News, you know, or whatever yeah. the name is. Right. I call it the I call it the Freedom Network. You know, that it would be the Freedom Network. It yeah. would be social media. It would be it would be cable. It would be you know all the other features and everything like that. And um, I was going to bring this up as a topic because it seems to me now that, uh, you know, that uh, Apple and Facebook and Twitter and Google are doing at the corporate level what China and Russia have been trying to do at the um, national level to have their entire, you know, their own Internet world. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, what it, what it tells me is that politics is entering into Cloudlandia. <laughs> well, that's true. Even on a level like uh, I saw even, uh, you know, the response to that was um, uh, Parler has been getting some traction yeah. as a conservative yeah. uh, side. But yeah. now Amazon de- uh, stopped hosting um Parlor servers on their on their cloud. So even at yeah, that so level did Apple. Now, a- a- Apple did it yeah. yesterday. Apple, Apple cut them out yesterday. of the App Store, and Amazon yep. cut them off their their uh, their cloud server, which eighty percent of the internet runs on on AWS servers. Yep. Uh, so yep. you realize, wow, you're getting back now to where these guys are starting to flex their personal yeah. views on things. Yeah. But here, here's the thing. Um, um, uh, Rock, uh, Rock, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, the, the Rock, Rockefeller did the same thing with um, uh, oil mm-hmm. and the end of the, oil and gas uh, at the end of the 19th and early 20th century and they they what they did was they locked up all the railroad because all the shipments were done by railroad and they locked yeah. up contracts for the 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 railroads would agree they would only ship Rockefeller oil and right would not ship uh, oil from any other producer and uh, you know uh what you start running into is the U.S. Constitution, okay? Mm. And no matter how powerful, um, uh, you know, Amazon is, they're puny compared to the U.S. Constitution. I mean, it's like they're just a moment in time in regard to the U.S. Constitution. So my sense is that this is kind of a, uh, you know, it's a kind of a civil war moment of sorts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, the actual civil war in the United States was about slavery, but actually uh, it, there was probably a deeper, uh, there was probably a deeper cause than slavery. I think slavery was a hot emotional 
topic, but it was actually about the fact that part of the country was industrializing at a at a rate, and the other part of the country wasn't industrializing at all. And so mm-hmm. it was, you know, if you go back, Dean, Dean and Dan are talking in 1860, and we're talking uh, we're talking about the difference between the you know the the farm country and the factory country, you know, we're, we're, we have a dis- welcome to the factory world. Right? Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Right, having, right. 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 Welcome to industrial land. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my feeling is <laughs> that when, uh, when you get a big shift like this, which is economic, I mean, it's, it hits upon all, uh, you know, how people think about things, how they feel about things, how they relate to each other. When it starts becoming, you know, that there's a, a total shift of personal existence from one realm to the other, uh, you get the type of issues that we're getting with uh, the past week. Uh, with the past week, and uh, the difference is uh, there's not a great deal of bloodshed this time. Yeah, this is going to be what um, what a. What a <laughs> And for a fun decade we're in for, you know, as you start to see. Oh, oh no. That's a, I mean, I mean, and, uh, you know, the history of the United <coughs> States is uh, pretty chock full of this uh, for the first, uh, you know, the country started in uh, 1789 officially, yeah. uh, you know, and then it went 100 years. It went through the entire uh, 19th century and right up to 19. 19- 16, so it was like 136 years, where it kind of paid attention to just what was going on in America. And then uh, starting with the First World War and, uh, you know, for the next 100 years, we got involved with every other part of the planet. But Americans kind of like, you know, paying attention to America. And uh, and I, I think it may be a shift back to um, um, that America is going to look at America first, and then if you want to deal, uh, offer us something. The the U.S. isn't going to consider itself the world policeman and the world uh, regulator of how right. other people run their, run their countries. And I think it's part and parcel of that. I mean, uh, it, there's no one explanation for anything. There's always about 20 explanations together, which right. kind of tell you this. But this is a, you know. Um, I, I think power goes to the head of people who think that they are now um, unaccountable. You, they don't have to account. Like uh, my feeling is that at the top of these big digital companies, there's a certain sense of invincibility, mm-hmm. and um, and we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. Uh... Well, you look at that, the whole, uh, I just read this morning that, uh, Biden's expected to announce $3 trillion in, uh, in stimulus coming up here. All, mm-hmm. you know, focused on, uh, making America great again, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the, you know, I mean, first, uh, first of all, uh, it's um, it's a very unpredictable uh, country, you know, that mm-hmm. we're citizens of, and uh, you know, uh, and uh, uh, 
nobody gets to be on top for very long in the U.S. Right. Politically, not, nobody gets to be on top for very long uh, in terms of, you know, celebrity. Celebrity is fickle and fleeting. You know, yeah. you can be up for a little bit and then you're. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, same thing economically. You can, you know, I mean, even Jeff Bezos says, I don't expect Amazon to exist 20 years from now. He says, I think we will have been replaced by something else. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder what he sees as the end game, like how that, where does that head? I'm, I've been very impressed with the way Elon Musk has called his shots all the way through the, the, um, from the beginning, you know, and he's well, now become the, uh, he just took over as the, the richest uh, guy now, right? Whatever that means. Whatever that means, but yeah. Oh. I mean, it was like Warren Buffett. Uh, I remember in the 1987 uh, stock market crash, uh, uh, they said, uh, <laughs> you lost $10 billion today. He was interviewed on, on the 1987. Yeah, yeah right. Uh-huh. Yeah, he said, well, it was paper this morning and it's paper tonight. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, he said, yeah. But he predicted, you know, when the, you know, the Dow was in the, uh, 2000s, you know, like I think it went from 2,700 to 1,800 on one day, and you know, lost a third of the value of yeah. the stock market. Right. And he says, "Well, what? How long is this? You know, this, uh, you know, this blow to the world and everything going to happen?" And he says, I, "I think by a year 2000, so this is 1980. So he said, I think about the year 2000, the Dow will be over 10,000." Which would oh, be, wow. which would be four times what it had ever been, you know. Yeah, right. And he's, uh, and then he says, "Well, yeah. I mean, how can you possibly say that?" And he says, "Well, you know, oh, most of the working scientists, most of the working engineers, most of the working entrepreneurs that we've ever had on the planet are alive today, and they're all getting connected electronically. So I, I yeah. just got to believe there's going to be." Uh, constant creation of new things to invest in, and yeah. I think money money available to invest in it. So yeah, anyway, and yeah, and he says the whole thing is just try. He says the whole secret of this just see if you can uh, buy a dollar for less than a dollar. Right, that's a great thing. The value investing. Yeah, I haven't yeah. paid yeah. attention. I've I've got to read his. Uh, I always enjoy reading his. Uh, Letters. I'm a shareholder, a Berkshire uh, shareholder. So I was get the uh, annual reports, yeah. and I'd love to uh, see his take on things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has the sense of you know just uh, what's a great brand. Uh, yeah. What great or what great brand still has room to grow? What yeah, with know, durable what advantage. Brand. That's what he calls it. Yeah, durable advantage. Dur- right. You know, dur- durable advantage, and uh, yeah. you know, and I and uh, you know, I think he has some winners and losers, but generally yeah. speaking, he, he he his batting average is good, and uh, yeah, you know, and uh, do it and. Uh, I just think we're in a new phase, you know, I mean, uh, uh, yes. um, uh, 
I, w- I was just looking at it because we're um, interested in legal matters these days, and I was just looking at the Article One of the Constitution, and it's the eighth, uh, the eighth uh, uh, section of the first article. So the first article, and the reason for intellectual property protection, and it was for the expansion of uh, uh, scientific and technical technical knowledge and capabilities throughout mm-hmm. society. This is why. So there's always this border where we're going to give you a certain monopoly status under the law so that, uh, one, so that you can be rewarded for creating something new. That's part of uh-huh. the intellectual property law. And the other uh-huh. thing is that uh, other people encourage to be innovators. But the third thing is that overall, it's for the benefit of society that new capabilities, new vision, new capabilities, and new reach is introduced into society. Okay. So if you have a sense that Facebook isn't doing that anymore, if you have a sense that Twitter isn't doing that anymore, if you have a sense that Apple isn't or Amazon or Google isn't doing this more, then their monopoly will be taken away from them. Yeah. And so I wonder how that will be the better thing, though. Like part of their monopoly is because you only have to. Like, how do you? This is what I wonder: is how do you take away a Google monopoly without disadvantaging everybody? You know, like how uh, how do you? Like part of the value well, of it is having everything in one place. Like you go there because. It's got everything. Well, that that's kind of, uh, you know, I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. You know, they're, uh, uh, they're so crucial that we can't possibly change it. Or you could say, right. uh, what better things are being prevented by their monopoly? May, maybe their model is getting old, and mm. uh, and but they've they've position themselves so that new better things can't uh, can't come along yeah, well i just looked at when standard oil was uh broken up uh, broken up which was around 1910 uh-huh. yeah uh, the oil industry in the next 30 years expanded by 10 times okay right mm-hmm. when at&t was broken up in the 1950s bell you know bell had the monopoly yeah. on telephones the telephone industry went 10 times, all sorts of, uh, uh, the bell would never have invented the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, digital phone, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And, all, and all these landlines, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, like the first person to invent an electronic camera was uh, a Kodak employee, you know. Right. Yeah, the and, digital and camera, he, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you can just see how persuasive he was when he told someone at the top, you know, in the future we won't have to sell film anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> what now? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I mean, I, everybody thinks that the existing solution is uh is the ultimate and who, yeah. who knows what else. I mean, you were telling me about uh you know, Clubhouse last uh, on our last meeting, I looked into yeah. it. And I said, uh-huh. "Well, this is this is uh, a bypass. You know, this is a bypass. You uh-huh. know, 
And and if Facebook tried to create a clubhouse type thing, I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. But I would, you know, right. that, I I don't trust anything that Facebook does. I don't trust right. anything Twitter does. You know, right. so these are not trustable people. So anything new that they try to go over, I don't really trust them. You know, and, right? Uh, yeah. So. And, and you know, and Jeff Bezos and Elon, they just want to walk on Mars. That's it. That's exactly right. <laughs> they just want to walk <laughs> on Mars. You're, you're at, oh, that's funny. What's the, what's the end game? The end game is both of them want to walk on Mars, you know? And, right. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and I, I, I was talking about, about goal setting the other day. You know, don't make the achievement of your future goal the criteria up when you start to like yourself. Ah. You know, I said, you know, if I walk on Mars, then will I like myself? You know, so yeah, I right. said, you know, you know, have different motivations. Don't have that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, well, this is just the first of three days when we'll be chatting. So I look yes, I'm excited. I want to, uh, yeah. I'm going to read the, uh, I'm going to read. I, the, would, appreciate the book. If, I would appreciate if you could, uh, Take you know, take in the you know the fifteen trillion and you know, I will uh, talk about it. You know, I mean, I mean, people are you know they have a time phase when they read things, but uh, we're noticing a big jump in interest in the free zone since we put the book out. I would say I that That's number great. of ten ten times. Well, now that people understand uh, what it means, that that they get yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, well, I think the other thing is my project. You know, it's my 24-year project, and yeah, um, you know, you know, and uh, this is what's going to keep me interested and motivated for the next 24 years. I love, it. So, I love yeah. it. I'm happy to have a front row seat. Yeah. Well, you're uh, you're more than front row seat. <laughs> <laughs> That's it exactly. Yeah. So I will uh, I will see you in the morning. I'm sorry, I said we can't have uh, dinner tonight, but. Uh, yeah, I'll see you bright eyed and bushy tail in the morning. Have, uh, uh, we put out the word we're going to have a cocktail party, but it, you know it's strictly optional because other people may have other things to do. So right. we finish right. at three and we have a cocktail party at five. You know, and uh, okay, so now, we're finishing at three Chicago time, and so four uh, o'clock. Three, uh, three Chicago, three Chicago time. So yeah. four Eastern, right, right, right. Okay, four, four Eastern. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I will pleasure. see you in the morning. Yep. Good. Yeah. Thanks. Bye.